Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. We're your hosts and PGA golf coaches, Piers Ward and Andy Proudman. Each week we're going to share with you our 20 plus years of coaching experience to bring you top tips, the latest information and trends, along with some of the world's best in the golf industry to help you play the best golf of your life. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it and help you take charge of your game. Tiger Woods, is this the greatest sporting comeback ever? Hi everyone, Andy, I'm putting it straight there, out there for you. Is this the greatest sporting comeback ever? Yes. Straight. <laughs> yes. That's the answer. I mean, You're a biased it, it was answer. incredible. I mean, you know, what a what a Masters tournament it was, and who'd have thought that actually he's worn his fifth green jacket after all that time and all that trouble and you know all, all what he's been through to come back for that and to actually finally win. I think, you know, will he believe what he's done? I think he was probably in a little bit of. I've actually done it. This is just incredible, and he's, he was probably he probably shocked himself a little bit, as, as with as much confidence that he's got and, and as much belief. Um, I'm sure he was probably at some point thinking, "Am I ever going to do this?" And now he's done it. It was just incredible, really. It was amazing to watch. Do you know what? Yeah, I mean, let's go back to that original statement. Is it the greatest comeback ever? I mean, for me, I mean, you can talk about. You know, whether it's Muhammad Ali, whether it's Ben Hogan after the car crash that he had, you know, and then coming back and winning major championships. There's been, obviously, amazing greats in sport who've had these these comebacks. But I think from our point of view as golfers, understanding the sport of golf more than any other sport, it is, for for me, I mean, you just said it as well, it has to be because of what he has gone through, the, the surgeries, the problems with his social life, you know, his, his, his family life. And the fact he hadn't won a major for 11 years. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. And you think about it, he won all of those majors up to 2008. And obviously he won tournaments past 2008 and he won, he was world number one. But he didn't win a major. At some point during the last 11 years, he must have thought to himself, I don't care how strong you are, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. There must, there must, something like that must have come into his head. And for yeah. someone whose only purpose in life, pretty much, is to win majors and tournaments, that must have been incredibly hard to take. So, yeah, I mean, the demons he must have been fighting to do this, you know, the short game problems he had as well, you know, he was, he was yipping four iron chip and runs in, in Scottsdale, I think it was. You know, the fortitude he's shown to get back, and I think the key is really here, he took his time, didn't he, this time. This yeah. time you could tell it was different to his other comebacks because he did take his time. He won the Tour Championship, but then to win this Masters, I just think it has to be. It has yeah. to be the best. And I think in, in my mind, it was, I had no doubt that if he was going to be fitting well, I thought he, would just win, he was going to win another major. It was just going to happen because he was, his game is good. He's been looking strong. He's won the Tour Championship. For me, you know, he's the type of golfer that, um, you know, if he is fit and healthy, then he's just, He's just got that determination, he's got that will, and he's certainly got the game to actually get it done. And the experience, as he's shown on Sunday, um, coming down the, uh, the back stretch of the, uh, the, 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 the back nine, it was just incredible to see that. And um, yeah, I mean, what, a, what an amazing event to watch. And I think I'm just so happy for, for him, but also for the sport, because I think he's going to do so much for the sport as well. You're absolutely right. The only the only one regret I do have, I actually spoke to the guys at um, Adidas yesterday, who unbelievably took us to the US Masters last year. I said you took us a year early. Yeah, we <laughs> so went the wrong year. We went the wrong year. As much it was, it was an amazing experience last year. It would have been phenomenal for anyone who was there to watch that happen. Yeah. 
Um, and so obviously what we're going to do here is let's just go through a few sort of key points. We're not going to be out here for too long on this subject, but it'd be good to talk about the last day. We'll look at the biggest surprises that were in the tournament, the, the things that actually weren't a shock as well. What does this mean for golf? And then maybe look at who's going to win the majors past this point. Yeah. Um, and maybe even stick in an, an ultimate golf at the end. So I think we kind of thought of this afterwards that we were going to be doing a... Um, we almost could do like a running commentary of the back nine holes and what it, what they were thinking, some of the players, the key moments and some of the strategies. But maybe we start on the front nine actually. So what, what did you see, Andy, that you felt on the front nine was, uh, were pivotal moments and, and parts that maybe even people at home can learn from? Well, I think the, the front nine at Augusta is you've just got to get through that front nine because so much... So much is down to the back nine at Augusta. You look at what happened. I mean, you know, as long as you can stay in, in and around that leader, which Tiger made sure that he did, he made sure that he was close to uh, Molinari. He wasn't off his back. And if he if he knew he could keep that pressure on, be patient, then he knew um, that something could happen. An opportunity might present itself where he could then take advantage of and and win, which he which he did. But the front nine for me, it, it was. It's just keeping in the game, and I think that's the key thing. It's being patient and, and understanding that anything can happen because I think if you'd have asked anyone, even after six holes, Pierce, seven holes, or even after nine holes, if who they would have thought was going to win, I think the majority of people would have said, well, Mon Molinari just doesn't look shakeable. He was so steady. It was short game was great. He was putting the ball in play. His, his putts were unbelievable. He wasn't really missing anything, and he just looked unshakable. So I think... You know, I think what, what the guys can learn from this is, you know, that golf is a, it takes a bit of time and, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I think if you can be patient and, and understand that things can change a lot, you know, in one hole, you know, it can shift, it, it can shift your momentum, it can shift your mindset and all of a sudden then you're in a di totally different place. And it was almost like a match play event with him and Molinari really. Do you, do you think, I've got a question for you then, do you think that Tiger would have changed his strategy at all based on how Molinari was playing on that front nine? Uh, no, I don't think so. I totally agree. I don't think so. I think he, he, went, he and this is what he said in his interview, he, went, he said that, look, he, he wanted to stay, he was more patient than ever that week and he wanted to just plot his way around the golf course. He would have had a strategy based on the best, um, best possible outcome for him and if he knew that he could just do that, and then the other guys, whatever they could do, what they would do. But as long as he could take care of his strategy and his game, and then I think he knew that he'd still be in with a chance come that sort of back nine of the major where it all kicks off. Yeah, absolutely. So I think let's go into that. Let's go into the sort of the pivotal moments. And obviously when you're coming into... Um, into this back nine, you've got all these guys who are still around, you know, so you've got obviously Tiger and, and um, Francesco in the mix, but then you've got people like Xander Schofle, Brooks Kepka, Jason Day, you know, Fina was starting to fall off just a little bit. Rahm was there or thereabouts. Patrick Cantlay was coming up on the, with the afterburners almost. You know, you, you look at that and go, well, you know, it was an amazing leaderboard. I actually said in a, we had a, it was, I was involved in about four or five WhatsApp groups, and I think it was, I want a five-way playoff. I think it would have been amazing if we could have done that. But I think the first pivotal point for me 
was Tiger's putt on nine. And we spoke about that and we actually said, what was the best shot? We actually spoke about it last night with Aaron Rye. Yeah. We had dinner with Aaron Rye last night. What was the best shot? And I think me and Aaron both said at the same time, Tiger's putt on nine. Yeah. Because it was, it was exceptional, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it was... Uh, an it was a bad shot into the green. <laughs> bad shot into the green. But yeah, I mean, a, a sensational putt. And I think Tiger reminded me very much, <laughs> very much of a, a predator. So, you know, he, it was almost like he was, he was biding his time, the front nine. He's sort of, he was sort of sussing out the, sussing out his prey. He's kept himself there or thereabouts. And for me, the pivotal moment of the, of the game for me was, was 12 because Tiger kept himself in the game. Down 11, he, he hits it wide. He gets lucky with a, with a gap again to the green like he did the previous day. He, he hits a really nice shot onto the green. You, sorry, one thing I will say, he did get lucky but he knew where he wanted to miss if he was going to miss anywhere, didn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. He can't miss left there. Yeah. He can only miss right. And, yeah. he's, and he's almost, if you look where he hit his tee shot, I think he was aiming that way anyway. So he's saying, well, if it misses it. Yeah, he wasn't playing fade down there, no, was no, he? No, he was playing more of a draw down there. But yeah, he got lucky. He sort of hit this, he hit the green, again, kept himself in there. But then when he gets to 12, obviously when Molinari hit it in the water, we'll talk about his decisions in a moment. But then for me, it was like, right, now, now is the time for Tiger. Now it was almost right. Now's my opportunity. Now I can actually attack and take advantage of Molinari's weakness. So it was like he's, he's sort of stalked his prey for the whole front nine. He gets around to 12. Molinari shows a weakness and Tiger goes, right, I'm having you. And then he just plays that, you know, he plays that ball straight over that bunker. Like Nicholas always says, get it in, hit it right between those two bunkers. He does that, comes off with a, with a four and it's like, right, okay. Now I can start to, you know, with 13, 14 and 15, which are all good birdie opportunities, now he can start to, to play, which he did obviously birdie in 13 and birdie in 15. Mm. But for me there, that was the, that was the killer instinct in, in Tiger. He was so patient with his approach in that, in that front nine. He knew something could happen on that back nine. And then from there, it was like, right, Molinari, you've showed me your weakness. I'm going to expose that now and I'm going to just make sure I'm, I'm there and I'm going to show you what I can do. Yeah. 100%. And the thing is, it was, it was very interesting that when we look, obviously the storm was, was, was a foot, wasn't it? I didn't actually know, did it actually rain afterwards? I assume it did. It, heavy, it rained during, it rained during it but it didn't, during, didn't yeah. rain like there was, did it rain actually like they said it was going oh, to the know. storms and that? That's know. a good point actually. Um, but if you think about, maybe Tiger just wanted them out early uh, in threes, but if you think about the way that the wind must have picked up at that time around them on those holes, because the, in the group before, Kepka and Polter both put it in the water, there. and then obviously you got Fino and Molinari. So four out of the last six golfers put it in the water. Yeah. So you gotta look at it and go, well, yeah, there probably was something there. And obviously we spoke about Molinari, sorry, Molinari spoke about, he picked the right shot, he just didn't execute. Yeah. And we looked at it and we queried it as well, going, well, was it the right shot that if the line, if he had on the line that he wanted to, that if he was gonna come up short, that it actually was gonna go there? Yeah. Surely it should have been going between the bunkers. But the interesting thing for me was you interesting you, you talking about the the predator instinct of Tiger Woods. Where was he when they were playing their shots from the drop zone? He was on the green. Yeah, he was, yeah. By his ball, going, yeah. "I'm here, guys. When yeah. are you going to join me?" Yeah, come on. That was that was 100% intimidation tactic to those golfers going, "Yeah, you better not knock on the water, <laughs> yeah. otherwise you're really yeah, out exactly, of it." Exactly. Yeah. So he was he was he was there, and he was you know he was he was like a, a stone-faced killer, he was. you know, making sure that he was waiting for their uh, again maybe another potential mess. So he was. Let, let's talk talk about Molinari and 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 Kepka and Poulter to be fair, <clears throat> because 
<coughs> excuse me, I think that for me, I mean, yes, Molinari says I, I, I picked the right shot, I, I made the right decision, but I just didn't hit it hard enough. And I think, well, this is something that, again, maybe a lot of amateurs can learn from this, because for me there, he picked the wrong shot. Because if you pick the right shot and you get it wrong, you should still be in a position where you can still, especially at, at that time of the, 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 that period of the game, and where you are on, on that golf course, hole number 12, if you pick the right shot but you don't execute, you still need to give yourself that margin mm -hmm. for error. And he didn't give himself that margin for error. He was going at the flag, we assume, it's hard to, but you don't, you're not going to be that far off. He's not going to be that far off with the 9-9. So to do that, for me, he says he, he picked the right shot. For me there, he picked the wrong shot. And obviously, he didn't give himself any margin for error. And the fact mm -hmm. that he didn't do that really cost him, obviously, a shot. But first of all, I think it cost him more than a shot. I think it cost him his, his mindset for the rest of the game. Because, yes, it might have affected his score, but how then would that impact his emotions going into 14, 15? Yeah. And, and I think that's so key, isn't it? You know, yes, it's only one shot, but actually, on the grand scheme of things, with Tiger being on the green so close to you, how does that affect then your whole mindset taking it down to the next few holes? And I think, that, I think that's where he's going to learn a lot from that. And I think... Uh, I think certainly golfers can learn a lot from that, you know, just trying to attack the pin. And yeah, Jack Nicholas, it's always mentioned every year, Jack Nicholas says, just no matter where the flag is, hit it between those two bunkers because if you're short or long, you're in the bunker and you can still make par. Mm -hmm. Well, you can still make birdie, but if you're in the water, if you're aiming at the left side or the right side of the green and you hit it short, you're in the water and yeah. you're making bogey at best. So for me there, I think it's a, a mental error from from all those guys, from Fino, from Poulter, from Kepka, and from uh, Molinari. And I think that's really, is that just lack of experience? And maybe, yeah, maybe just lack of experience around that. Yeah, course. I think maybe, I think, I think you know, the, the thing is though, you look at, they've all played it enough. Yeah. They've all played it a lot, maybe with the exception of Fino, maybe he's only probably played two or three years there. But, you know, you've got to look at it and, and just, you know, success is there from those who've been champions before. So just look at what, you know, the answer there, sorry, I should say. Just look at what those champions have done, and Nicholas has got to be the person you listen to when he's talking about that golf course. And that is one of the things that Tiger Woods yeah. has always done. He has been a student of the game to the point he understands who hit the most important shots at the right times, and he's learned from that. And I wonder how much that, that you know, I mean, look, you look where the flag was obviously on 12, it was tucked out to the right. You know, then going for the middle of the green or over those bunkers seems like it's bailing out. It's like mm. it's, it's not really being aggressive, but. It's a, it's a safe play, you've still got a birdie opportunity. It's not being negative, it's being sensible and strategic and giving yourself an option, whereas you go at the flag and get it wrong, then you haven't got an option. And I think that's just so important. And I think for, even at their level, even at their level, they make mistakes and they need to factor in these mistakes when they do it. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for us to say when we're here behind, behind our, our laptops talking about this, but I think certainly from, for, the, for the guys listening to this, that's something that we see all the time, Piers. They go chasing flags, no margin for error. Yeah. And, um, you know, it catches them out every now and again. Give yourself some margin for error. And it's, sometimes it's aiming away from the flag and just giving yourself an opportunity. I totally agree. The one thing I will say on Molinari is that the fewest amount of drop shots that have been in a, made, in a Masters champion have been six shots. He actually only dropped six shots still. Yeah. But he had two double bogeys on the back nine. It's like, oh, okay. 
So, and, and I think, again, you look at, you know, you look at how, how Molinari conducted himself after that. He birdied the next hole. So he then goes and hits it on the green on the next hole. Yeah. Again, you look at Tiger on his tee shot there. There was, I think this was probably the most fortuitous shot because it looked like, I think he hit the tree, didn't he? Yeah, so yeah. he slipped, he's hit the tree and it's still on the fairway and he's still hitting an iron into the green. Yeah, so that yeah. was, you'd have to say there's some fortune there. But then you look at it, you can't just say, oh, well, Tiger was lucky because obviously he wasn't. It wasn't about luck. Because, you know, it goes both ways. You know, there would have been times he missed putts, which were good putts and what have you. Bad bounces, etc. But it, obviously, at the key time, it'll, people always look at it and go, well, he was a little bit lucky. But 15 majors, maybe he wasn't super, maybe he hasn't been lucky all his life. But yeah, just, just saying for Molinari there to actually come back and birdie that hole, you know, that was, that was tremendous. And then you look at, I think it was Kepka, he eagled it after he actually did that, that double bogey as yeah, well. Yeah, so he was un, un, unreal, really, for those guys. And that's what kept it interesting. 14 was a pretty sort of simple hole, I think, for all of them. 15, we know, is obviously where there's another birdie opportunity. The interesting thing with 15 was, though, where they put the flag. I can't remember ever seeing the flag on the, on the left-hand side of the green there. It's normally middle or even slightly right-hand side, back right, when they play this last round. So if that flag had been in the middle, Molinari might not have hit his wedge into the tree, which mm. would have under the water. Because I think, obviously, the, the issue with Molinari on 15 was his layup was, was wrong. Yeah. He hit it too far, obviously, for whatever reason. But then, what, what do you think happened on that shot? Was it, was it bad luck or was it bad judgment? What, I, mean, I still don't know exactly what he was trying to do there. Well, I think the hard thing is we couldn't really see from, from the camera angle, we couldn't actually see the branches that he hit. Mm. You know, we saw him play the shot and then it was like, okay, it's in the water. You're like, okay, what's happened there? Whereas for me there, I think it's probably a little bit of bad luck and a little bit of bad judgment. I think that obviously it was quite a bare lie, wasn't yes. it, by the looks of things. I think he potentially got it high on the face, mm-hmm. launched it up a little Popped too high um, and got a little bit unlucky. But at the same time, you know, I think maybe he just didn't really actually judge it in the right way. Maybe mm-hmm. just maybe underestimated the uh, the flight and uh, and just got caught out. Yeah, and maybe he's in a he's in a position in his mind where he has to go. Well, do you know what? I need to now go for this flag. You know, I can't I can't hit it twenty feet right at the flag. I need to actually go for yeah. this flag. And again, the landing area is so narrow there on fifteen where he's trying to hit that shot. Again. I think the same as you though, I think it popped up on the face a little bit. Yeah. Um, again, plenty of was, turf, wasn't it? There's plenty of turf. Yeah, there, there was. Sort there of was. Made, made you think that way. It might have been a little steep and high off the face and yeah. just popped up. Yeah. Again, you look at the shots that were hit into there, you know, from, from obviously Kepka, Tiger, the shot he hit in there, obviously Patrick Cantley, I think there's like a big hook, seven yeah. iron from 210 yards. And that got him into the lead when he knocked yeah. that in. I'm like, yeah. what, what, where has he come from? Then DJ started making birdies. We hardly saw DJ on TV at all. Then suddenly the birdies are flying in. But again, I think a lot of people, you, you know, you look at 15 and they, they're obviously going to birdie. 16, this is where it gets really interesting. 16 is obviously a phenomenal hole. And the, the best thing that the, the, the committee at the US Masters ever did was putting that flag in a position where it gets exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's so good, isn't it? Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, both having hole-in-ones. And then obviously DJ had made a birdie there. Patrick Cantlay, unfortunately, obviously made a bogey there, which obviously, which obviously messed him up. But then Tiger steps on the tee, 
Yeah. And he knows where to hit it, doesn't he? He knows exactly. You know, even the shape that he hit that, you could see he was like aiming right, trying to draw it in to try and get it feeding into that there. Pitched it in the right spot and then obviously you saw his face then, so I'm trying to will it in the hole, um, which was brilliant. Really. And I think for me then that was like, okay, right, he's, he's, it was his championship then for me because then he was going to go two clear with two to play and I think two clear with two to play when Tiger gets in the lead, when he gets a sniff of, the, of, that, of that trophy, it's like, okay, I'll, you know, you just know then when he's yeah. got that cushion that he's going to do it because he's got the experience and he, he just loves being in, in, in front, doesn't he? And I think... Uh, with, with that, if it was just one shot difference, it would have been so different going up those last two holes. Because um, 18 is still tough, but going up with a cushion of two shots, I mean, he, he ripped it down 17 as well. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, that, it, it, he sort of turned the switch, didn't he? Yeah. It? it was like, right now I'm ready for it. But the, the interesting thing I will say on 16 is, obviously the famous chipping that he did when he was yeah. up against DeMarco, you know, the emotions that went through with him when he did that, he then went and bogeyed 17, and he hadn't had to win it in a playoff. Yeah. Do you think if he'd have hold it, he'd have hit that tee shot, if he'd have hold his tee shot on 16, would he have been able to hit that tee shot on 17 that he hit? I think or, so. Or would it have gone 30 yards further? Probably gone 30 <laughs> yards further. He probably would have, yeah. But no, I think he would. I think he's, he, what, what stood out to me about Tiger this week is, he was very, um, he seemed very neutral with his emotions. Yes. Now, Tiger's normally very animated, even though he's bad shots. Yeah. But this time, he looked really calm. Even on his, even when he hit a bad shot, he didn't really let his emotions take hold of him. He, he seemed to keep, keep that at bay, which was unusual for him, because he's always showed it, but then got rid of it. But even the way he, he, he walked, he, he moved, he, you know, he, you could just see that he was just really relaxed and... That was a, obviously a key part of him. Maybe his strategy in terms of staying patient, that he just wanted to be in that state. And I think uh, that, that state certainly helped him be patient and, and stay in the game for long enough to actually then sort of get his teeth in the neck of Molinari on the, yeah, on the 12th, yeah, yeah. really. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is interesting, again, just going through these holes here, 15, 16, coming to 17 now. You know, you look at someone like DJ who's birdieing, but then you look at people like... You know, Kepka birdied obviously 15, but didn't birdie 16, 17 or 18. Xander Schofle, who did amazing, you know, he's 300 for his back nine playing 15 and he did not make a birdie coming in there. That was such a shame for him, it would have been really good to see him up there. Um, Xander obviously is, he's coached on his putting by a good friend of ours, Derek Oedo, who's been on the podcast before. Actually speaking of guys on the podcast as well, uh, Molinari's short game was amazing. He just started working with James Ridyard, who again has been on our podcast talking about short game. So. I think it's it's interesting that the guys who, you know, really got it going at the end, obviously, DJ, yes, he had a run in his, but Tiger, again, is in great control. 17, as you said, he hits a fantastic tee shot down the fairway. It's a really good approach shot in there. The putt was actually really rubbish for his standards. Yeah, it was actually. <laughs> We're like, oh, that was just really... Was nowhere near the hole. Really, that was really bad. And then you're going, okay, no problem. Get on the last hole, DJ's ahead of him, and you know you, you know that DJ had a chance to obviously get that birdie, didn't make it, did not make the putt. But Tiger's shot on 18. He was obviously blocked out by the tree. He was obviously trying to think out, do I go low? Do I go round? Do I go over? It kind of looked like he tried to do a combination, all of them. Yeah, I mean, what, he was what, so far left, what, what was that shot he hit? Well, I think, do you know what? It, it was classic Tiger, wasn't it? Because 
He's, the, he's not the sort of guy to just sort of chip it out, you know, chip it out in front of the green. He's the, he's the type of guy, even in that situation, he will want to pull off something incredible for the fans to say, I'm Tiger Woods. Yeah. I can, I can pretty much do whatever I want to do yeah. and pull it off. And I think that's what, when he's doing that, you know, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, he's trying to play this huge slice here to the last green. He obviously has got a two-shot cushion anyway. But isn't that great that he's, even in that situation, the level of his confidence to go, well, you know, I can just pull off the shot. I do this anyway in a normal situation, so I'm going to do this even when I've got a two-shot lead in a major to win my 15th. He obviously overcooked it. I think the wind was hard off the right, into off the right. I think he just left the face maybe a little too much open, pushed it, and it was sort of pushing back against the wind, and obviously it came up short. So, um, But from there, really, it was a pretty straightforward pitch. Tried to use the... <laughs> try, tried well, straightforward pitch. <laughs> you say that, oh, yeah, we'll get on yeah. to that. Um, how would you feel on that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be getting a putter out. The thing is, you look at that... I'll, I'll t- let's, let's talk about the shot first. I'll come back to that pitch in a moment. So, again, the one thing that I will say on that shot that he hit... One thing he was making sure that he did, if he was missing, he was missing right. Yeah. He wanted to be right, because he knew that if he missed right, he wasn't going to be big. Yeah. He wasn't going to be in the bunker right, which is not the hardest of shots, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shot. The one thing he didn't want to do is miss it short left, or big left, or even in the bunker left. There's, there's, there's no real sort of, it's, it's a harder shot from there. So he was definitely making sure that he wanted to be, he was going to over cut it, over slice it, whatever sort of shape he hit. Um, but then you come to the pitch shot, that is severely uphill. Yeah. That, is, that is not that easy a shot. The one thing I will say there, the grass, the fairways are so perfect there, you're not going to get any bad lies with the ball sitting down. So ultimately, he knew exactly where to play that shot. You've got the backstop behind it. So it wasn't super, super hard, but it was, it was, a, it was, it was 11, years, 11 years since a major. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he would have been a little nervous, but I think because, he was, because of how he had controlled his emotions, I think it was, uh, he kept himself pretty steady. You could see how... Even walking up to that, he was very serious. You know, he didn't want to get excited. He didn't really show any emotion, even mm. up to that point of playing that chip, because it was like, I've still got to get my work done. I've still got to be, I've still got to focus now. It's still not won. Yeah. You know, he didn't get ahead of himself, which was good. And I think this is so, so, so easy to do that on the golf course, especially in that situation when you've got a two shot lead. He didn't get ahead of himself. He stayed calm, patient, focused on what he needed to do until that last putt. You know, every, everything was just, you know, clear-cut focus until that last put went in. And then, then the emotion came out and then it was, uh, obviously, the job was done there. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, what a fitting... Uh, I'm, pretty sh- I'm pretty sure Tiger's mother would have been saying to um, Charlie, his, his, his boy, you, you, you're the first person to say congratulations to your father. You know, you're yeah. the person who goes in there and you give him the hug and almost recreating the Earl and Tiger mm. moment and... That's what Tiger was very much talking about a lot about the family. So his perspective on things is a lot. He's obviously still got the same work ethic and the same hunger for it, but his perspective off the golf course is probably a little bit better than perhaps it was. Yeah. Because he's got, you know, he, he, talking about points to prove, he had to prove to his kids that he was good at golf. Yeah. Because they're like, oh yeah, whatever, you're, on, you're that guy on YouTube. You know, now they've seen him live and they've seen what he can do, so they've seen him win. So that, that, was, that was mega. Okay, so look, hey, we could, have talk, we could have spoke about that for a long, long time, but let's just, just quickly go into um, biggest surprises. What was the biggest surprise for you Mr. Proudman, when looking at this tournament. Well, you look at the, you look at the guys there. We've got the, the leaderboard here on screen. We've got, uh, just looking at this, we've got Danny Willett missing the cut. 
Sergio Garcia missing the cut. Mm -hmm. You got Justin Rose again missing the cut. Actually, Freddie Couples missing the cut. Quite a big that never surprise. Happens. What? No, that's a misprint. I can't no, believe he, he missed the cut. I can't believe he missed the cut there. So, so those guys. Actually, Casey at shooting 81 first round. What's going on there? What? I, yeah. I mean, but I think that was actually. Let me just have a quick look at that because I'm pretty sure that he had a really bad hole on his first round. Double bogey. Oh no, he just had lots of double yeah, bogeys no, and bogeys. No, birdies. no, he just didn't make no any birdies. birdies. Maybe that's a surprise for Paul Casey. He's he been in great form and has yeah. done well around there before. You know, Justin Rose, as you say, not making the cuts. That's like, you know, what's what's going on there? So, uh, I think Matt Wallace as well. Personally, I yeah. thought he, I thought he was. Um, I thought he'd be up there as he, well. He'd be up there. And First of, Masters, though, I think I think, you know, I actually think with him as well with Matt Wallace. I think it's very hard to go to the Masters on your first time and do really well with all the excitement around you. Yeah. Obviously, won the par three, which was yeah. good. So <laughs> the curse continues. <laughs> exactly, but I think I certainly think that he'll be. I think he'll feature over the next couple of years in the mm -hmm. Masters because that actually will hurt him a lot. He was hurt. His interview was very. Uh, was it? Yeah. 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 He was like he was upset to yeah. point to the point of being angry. Good, and I think that I think he will use that in the right way to yes. go right next next year. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to make the cut, and I'm going to do well in that tournament. Yes. So I think that's the sort of person and player he is. So I think certainly he's going to be uh, one to watch there. But yeah, definitely a surprise. Yeah. Um, I think I think the biggest one for me is McElroy. I mean, his form has been fantastic this year. Arguably the best player in the world on form this year. To go into the tournaments with a lot of expectation, and maybe that's the reason we were talking about it dinner dinner last night. You know, what is the reason why? McElroy, you know, didn't compete this year because he did compete last year and he wasn't in his best form when he competed. So I do think it's just a matter of time before he wins this Masters, though, this green jacket. I think so, because, you know, he's going to get his game so good not to. And I think, look, I think with McElroy, he gets a lot of bad press. I mean, he finished uh, tied 21st. Yeah. He gets, people will say McElroy blew it. He, you know, he, he didn't have a chance. What was he doing? He bottled it. But if you look at it, he, put, he had in his standards mm -hmm. probably a really bad Masters, but he's finished 21st. Yeah. And I think that's really the, the expectation of McElroy now. We almost expect him to go out there and, and finish top five in every single tournament. And when he doesn't do that, everybody gets on, on his case and goes, what's, you know, what's wrong with him? Or what's, mm. why, why is he not playing the well? Is it the expectation? Is he, you know? Where for me, it's like, well, you know, look, he's, he's, he's had a bad couple of days. And yeah. You know he hasn't quite been on, and that happens in golf. And um, I think it's I think he gets a, a, a hard time actually when if you look at it really he finished tied twenty first in the Masters when he wasn't really on his game. And I think mm. that is I think what I'd like to see with McElroy. I'd like to see him not on his game and finish top five like Tiger used to be. Yeah, and that's what I'd like to see because yeah. he hits the golf ball so long yeah. and so well that if he could still take if he could still play. <sighs> And, and score, me. bless you. Thank you. If he could still score on his bad days and still finish top five, top ten, I think that I'd love to see him do that. And then when he does really perform, he then obviously clears up and uh, and wins. Yeah, I, and I think I think that you you kind of have to look at it that his putting probably needs to be good when he's playing bad. And I think that's the thing. I think his putting is he's not a bad putter. He's a good putter, but maybe when Tiger plays bad, his putting is exceptional, whereas yeah. McElroy's isn't exceptional when he yeah. plays badly. But okay, um, but my one last big surprise is Matt Fitzpatrick shooting seventy-eight first round and then getting tied twenty-first. Yeah, what a what a phenomenal run from there! He would be gutted that he had that. Was it sixty-seven, sixty-eight, seventy? 
after that, so six over, eleven under for the last three rounds. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When you look at when you look at the type of players who who do well in the Masters, Pierce. You know, generally it does suit people who can hit the golf ball a decent distance. You look at Kepka, Tiger, Mickelson, Scott. They all hit the golf ball extremely well and and long. But when you look at people like uh, Fitzpatrick and Kucher, you know, it, it almost <laughs> still rewards the guys who can keep it in play and be very accurate. Yes. So it's not like, well, this course only suits the bombers, yes. like, like Aaron Hills. Aaron Hills mm. was the golf course that really you needed to hit the golf ball long round there to win. Whereas I think the Masters and Augusta, it, it not only rewards the, the guys who hit it long, but if you can be consistent, keep it in play, put it in the right spot on the green and avoid the mistakes and, and make sure on the, the par fives and the birdie holes, you, you give yourself that opportunity you know, over those four rounds, if you can consistently do that, you're going to be up there. And I think, you know, Fitzpatrick, I think, you know, whether he can win one day, maybe. You know, I'm sure he's got the game for it. You know, if he didn't shoot 78, then, yeah, definitely he's got the game for it. But um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, to see if, if a, a shorter hitter can uh, can sort of win this, mm. this tournament. Yep. Certainly somebody like him. I think you're right. Oh, he's, he's, right. Got, he's got the game, hasn't he? He's got a game. Aaron Ryan is a good example of yes. that, maybe. So um, let's go in with some, I could have, in, in our notes here, I called it not a shock. So things that weren't a shock at the US Masters. So it wasn't a shock that the course was in fantastic condition. It yeah. wasn't a shock that it was an amazing spectacle. It wasn't a shock that Bernard Langer made the cut again. I think, what did he shoot first? I think he was like one under, was he, for two rounds? Let me just have a quick look. He fell away, unfortunately, at the weekend. But again, Bernard Langer, yeah, one under for the two rounds. He had a bad 78 on the yeah. last day. Um, he's only used to three round tournaments now, obviously playing Champions Tour. That's yeah. obviously what it is. But you know, so there's always things at the Masters that that are that are going to be there all the time. And I think another one of them is John Rahm. Again, top ten finish, shoot sixty eight last round. Middle two rounds weren't as quite good. Only only three under for those rounds. But you know, you look at this guy here, and he is just always around that top ten, isn't he? He just looks like he can win most weeks. But what is the thing that he needs just to push him that little bit further to actually say, right now, I'm going to be a multiple, multiple winner, which we think he can be. Is it, is it, is it his mindset? Is that, is that, does that hold him back? Or does that help him? I, I, I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I think he probably, I think he, I think he still needs that element of him in there because I think it does help him. Yeah. I think it helps him fire up. And I think he, when, he's mm -hmm. a, when he's sort of, Emotional, I think he plays better. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think he probably likes that, but I think in some ways it'll hold him back, in other ways it'll help him. So it probably yeah. it balances. I think if he can harness it and use it in the right way, I think yeah, then definitely we're going to see him win majors. I, he's he's definitely going to win majors. He, 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 you've just taken the words out of my mouth. Harness, he's definitely going to win majors. Harness, harness, harness. He's definitely going to win multiple majors. Uh, is there anything in that, that that for you wasn't a shock with this tournament? Is well, that... I think I think if you look, I mean, you look at the the, the big name players in the top 10 I think if you you know you can always pretty much predict that these guys are going to be challenging I mean you've got you know you look at these you've got Kepka you've got Jason Day DJ Tiger Fina Molinari Juan Fowler what? Watson Thomas what a, what's what's going on there you, you've Mega. got so many top level names who I mean even Polter Polter had a great tournament yes you've got so many top level names who you just know are going to be up there mm. and I think that's that's something that happens all the time, isn't it? You know, when you're coming into this tournament, you know, when people are saying, oh, who do you think is going to win? Well, you go, God, it could be any of these guys. But you generally pick out these top guys because you know they've got the experience and the game to deal with with Augusta. And uh, 
I mean, it's a, a half. Wouldn't you love to play there, Piers? <laughs> you want to look at that golf course and <sighs> you'd just love to play there. Yeah. And um, you'd want to play there twice, though, wouldn't you? You want to do 36 in a day. Because <laughs> the first, the first round, you'd be thinking, oh my God. You get on that 16th and you'd, you'd, you'd actually want to hit that shot on the 16th and see that ball come down. You'd want those flags where they are. You would not want to hit it in the bunker, no, would you? No, no, you'd yeah. want to hit it on the I'm having another go. Caddy, yeah, give me another ball. Yeah, give me another ball. Yeah. Just just quickly on Poulter there. I mean, he was two over for the back nine. You know, so, I mean, he's, you know, and he's, and he's finished, what's he finished? Eight under. He's finished tied 12th, but he's two over for the back nine. You turn that around to a two under, he's, a, you know, he's right in the mix. Yeah. Which you would say... If you, I mean, he obviously he bogeyed 11, which is easy done. He double bogeyed 12, but then he had birdie on 13 and 15, but then he bogeyed 17. You know, he could easily have been in the mix. Yeah. And he'd be gutted about 73 last round, I think it was. He'd be gutted about that. For yeah, sure. Again, just a classic mistake on, and, and, and you know, Palter. I mean, Aaron Ryde, who we coached, played with Palter, and we, we, we sort of, when, he play, when, when Aaron plays with one of these top level guys, we say, what did you learn or what did you. What did you experience or what did you see from these players? And he said, you can tell from the guys who've been out there a long time, you can tell by the way they play that they've been out there a long time because they take on lines that are a little more aggressive. And he said that Polter was a guy where you could just tell that he wouldn't be conservative. He's like, look, if I'm, he was just going at different lines mm. that were a little bit more aggressive and if he missed them, then he missed them and that's fine. But he knew he had the level of confidence that he could hit those lines and if he does then that's what's going to separate these guys from actually being a little more aggressive having the confidence and and actually when they're on the game you know going to that level but at the same time being aggressive on that 12th obviously backfired and he, he's he's made double and then that's cost him you know yeah. and i think it's great being aggressive but i think brand Round that back nine at Augusta, I just think you, you've got to be so smart. And I think Tiger, again, in his interview, he was like, look, I just wanted to plot my way around the golf course and give myself the chances. And, you know, it's just so so easy to get tempted and drawn into to the flags and get a little bit... I mean, that's what it's designed to do. These flags are there designed to, to make you make a mistake. Yes. And, uh, you know, the 12th there succeeded in doing that with a lot of these guys. So... Yes, it's good to maybe be aggressive at the right time, but maybe on hole 12 is not the, not the time you need to be yeah. aggressive. Tiger Woods is aggressive to conservative strategies. And I think if you look at that shot on 12, sums it up perfectly, hit it between the bunkers. And even the, even the second shot on 18, he was really aggressive with that, knowing that it had to miss right or yeah. go on the green. Okay, so let's get into this, because we actually, we said we, this would be a 20 minute podcast. We are now in our 38th minute. Yeah. So she gets talking. What does this mean for Tiger and for golf? Oh, let's see if we can keep this relatively short. Okay, well, this means I think it'll do golf amazing because, again, we were talking about this last night. That done our video good, uh, well on YouTube. Our what's in the our Tiger Woods oh, yeah, um, carrying, carrying his, bag. his bag. So go and yeah. check that out on YouTube. Let's get some more views. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think it's great for golf. I think it'll it'll give golf a surge this year. You know, it's the first major of the year. It always kicks the golf season off. It'll get more people playing golf. It'll get more kids into the game. More people will know now who Tiger Woods is, where maybe two or three years ago, the young kids who yeah. were coming through, that you know, that the, yes, they're talking about maybe Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy, and they're not even aware of Tiger Woods because he was out of it for a while, but all of a sudden now he's this superstar back in the game. And I think, you know, golf needs somebody like Tiger. Golf is definitely better with him in the sport. And uh, I'm excited now for the season. I'm excited to to get these next majors underway and see what he can do, but yeah. also, 
just just looking forward to a good year of golf from uh, from 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 everything really from helping the guys who listen to this podcast to watching the, the golf on TV to playing a bit of golf myself. It just makes golf so much more exciting. Creates more of a buzz, doesn't it? Uh, okay, so I think you've answered pretty much everything I would say there. The one thing I would say, and this is as far as competitive golf with Tiger involved now, I know that the younger players, so Spieth, Thomas, you know, uh, Ricky Fowler's, maybe Ricky Fowler's a little bit older, but they were very much talking about the fact it would be great to see Tiger at his best so they can compete with him. Be careful what you wish for, because if he can continue to do what he's doing this, doing did this week or last week, for the next four or five years, you are going to win less tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Would the, it's interesting because would, would those guys have thought that he would be back to there? I'm sure in the back of their mind they're thinking, oh, he could just do. Yeah. Well, now he is. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, again, I'd love to see Tiger again challenging for the next couple of majors, going head to head with some of these players like Justin Thomas, like John Rahm, like Ricky Fowler, um, because it's just going to be a great battle of. Uh, of the minds of all those because ultimately yes Tiger is in his 40s now he's at the sort of let's say the back end of his career these other guys are, are sort of thriving at their peak of their career and it's going to be interesting to see you know how they deal with that and uh, and who rises to the top I yes. think that, that's going to be exciting to see well okay well look who's going to rise to the top of this and challenge him yeah. who's going to who's going to really um, stand out amongst this um, you know great field if you like the comeback, the comeback. And is the fear factor back? We shall see this year. Right, okay. The majors this year now. So obviously we've got the USPGA has been shifted forward um, to May next month, Beth Page Black. Then we have the US Open at Pebble Beach. And then we have the Open Championship at Rush. Rush. Yeah. So here we go. Tiger Woods has already won at Beth Page Black. Tiger Woods has already won at Pebble Beach. With a record score. With a record score. Tiger Woods used to practice at Port Rush when the tournament was, whenever there was a, um, whenever the Open Championship, so the week before he would go there. You're saying he's gonna win all four? I'm not <laughs> saying that, but yes. <laughs> so I think the, the, the thing is, we, we will assume that Tiger can compete on all fronts now on all of these majors because he's won at two of the events, but who else can compete? So let's start with Beth Page Black. Who else compete? Give me one person who's gonna compete with Tiger. Uh, Beth Page Black. Uh, Rory McIlroy. Yep. Okay, makes sense. Very, very tough golf course, long golf course. I think that would. I think the Masters would have hurt him. Yes. And you know, ultimately, I think when these guys suffer, it's a good thing because he's going to go right. What am I going to learn from this? I'm mm. not going to let that happen again. How can I be stronger? If he's if he's got the right mindset, I know he's doing a lot of work on his mindset at the moment. McElroy talked about meditating and things like that in the press. So I think um, yeah, I think McElroy. I'd love to see him, and I just think he's so close to being so good at the moment. Yeah. You look at his year, his year's well, been he's, incredible. He's been amazing, he's only, had one, he's only had one week where it's off and it's just helping it was Masters week. And people are on his back, people are on his back saying, you know, he can't do it, he's bottled it and all this, but I, you know, McElroy, he's just, he's just incredible. I think, I think when he just finds that slot and finds that gear, yeah. I think he's, um, he's, just, he's just somebody who, when he is confident and on it, he's so on He'll be it. fine, he'll be fine. Yeah, he will be. I'm gonna keep it short, Molinari is gonna compete again at Beth Page Black. Yep. Suits him down to the ground, it's tough, it's tight, you need good strategies. In my mind, Molinari only really hit two unacceptable shots. Unfortunately, it happened quite close to each other and the results were painful. Wouldn't it be great to have Molinari and Tiger again in another major going so it's actually be, How good would that be? It would be? actually be, I mean, you can discount the Ryder Cup because obviously Molinari won a, won a few times against him there, but it's, it'll be 
for the who's in the major rankings yeah. after winning at Carnoustie. Yeah. Okay, so Pebble Beach, who's going to compete with Tiger at Pebble Beach? I'm going to say Rory, I'm going to say Rory again. I mean, I'd love to say Ryan because I think Ryan will. Um, but I just think, yeah, I'm going to say Rory. I'm going to stick with Rory because I think yeah. Rory's going to be. And again, you've got to fancy Rory for me around Portrush, Ireland. Um, yeah, I'm going, to just, I'm going to go with Rory. It's my man for the majors. So uh, obviously DJ and, I mean, look, I'm going to say Rory all the time, to be honest. But DJ and Ram, I think, yes, will do well at Pebble Beach. Portrush, interesting. Again, you've got to think Molinari can do well on these golf courses. Yep. We played it, and it is a hard golf course. How about Darren Clark? He lives there. Darren Surely Clark. he can do something. It depends if he puts some. I'm convinced he'll put a little bit of practice in to see if he can do well. I don't think he's got the form. No, he hasn't got, got any form. form. He's got nothing to suggest it, but he's played the golf course he's a lot. The game. And he, if he does practice, it depends, Darren, if you're listening. You need to put some practice in and see whether you can play well, and we'll put a bet on you. Yeah, <laughs> just, just text us, let us know whether you are going to play in this. You certainly got the game, and if it, if it blows around there, then you know a lot of things change, and, and um, you know it so it tends to sort some different type of golfers out. You know, you, you tend to forget about technique, and you've got to deal with certain situations, which yeah. brings a totally different game. First time on the rotor as well, which you cannot cannot discount. Yeah, I'd, like to, I'd like to see Clarky back. Oh, be there. amazing, be amazing. Right, okay, so let's just finish it off with. We do this all the time, the ultimate golfer. We ask guests this question, who's the best ball strike you've ever seen? Iron, iron player, driver, short game player, but let's just do this on the US Masters. Andy, who was your ultimate driver from the US Masters? Driver of the golf ball. Um, I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to go with Molinari because he was oh. just so solid. So you, just so solid. We can't choose the same guy, so I'll go Kepka. Yeah. Pretty good. Who was the best iron player? I'll let you go first. Okay. And that's totally going to ruin my choice because I have yeah. no idea who that's going to be. Well, it's just got to be Tiger. Yeah. He's got to be Tiger. His creativity, some of the shots that he was, that he was hitting, um, some of the shapes into the, into the holes as well, uh, it was incredible really. So I, I'm going to go with, uh, with Tiger Woods. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got to look at someone like Fitzpatrick really, can sit, mm. uh, you know, despite yeah. his first round, I think obviously he hit the ball fantastic, you know, he was, he was in giving himself lots of chances. Yeah, let's go, let's go with him there. And let's just keep it short on this. Oh no, ch uh, chipping. Who was the best chipper you saw? The best chipper. Mm. Um, the best chipper. A short game. Uh, I actually think. Um, I don't think I actually saw that many chips. Well, I'm taking it. There. I'm taking it, Molinari. You can take Molinari. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think I actually saw too much. I'm... You don't see that much, do you? You when don't see that much chips now when they're playing <clears throat> that well. But uh, no. Um, I'll give you Molinari as well. I'm gonna have Molinari as well. Yeah. And putting. Putting, um, I will have to say, I'm going to have to say Molinari, even though Tiger won, and Tiger hit, Tiger did make some incredible putts, but he, he also missed a lot he as did. well. Yeah, he did. Um, but Molinari just, you know, he made so many good putts, even for putts, you know, saving par, obviously he hardly made any bogeys, but he just, he just kept on rolling them, but every single one of his putts as well seemed to just fall in the middle of the hole. He was like dead in the middle, confident stroke, bang in the middle. I was like, okay, this, this guy is he's never going to miss one. Mm. So I tell you who else putted well. Xander Schauffele putted well yeah. as well. And again, you know, we know how hard he works with Derek on that and, and what work they do on that. So he's going to be one I think who's going to challenge for the major yeah. this year as well because yeah. he's he's long, he's good. He looks like he's enjoying it out there. Yeah. I know him and his caddy look like they've got a good relationship. Is it Austin? Mm. Austin, yeah. So they, you know, they look like they're having fun out there. So uh, I think uh, it's a good partnership that, and I'd like like to see Xander do well, and uh, I'd like to see. I, I think he's going to win a major at some point, Xander. Okay, okay, love it, love it. Oh, actually, sorry, I'm, I'll tell, I, I, this is in the end. This is in the end. Wow, I nearly forgot. Then we have some questions. Five quick fire questions. 
So uh, let's go through these. I do apologise, I nearly forgot them. So Matthias Ogard. Let's go through this very quickly, Andy. Molinari shot on the 15th on Sunday. Unlucky or bad shot? Bad shot. Agreed. Which one? <laughs> no, I agreed. It, it, it has to be a bad shot. It, it's, it's not. It's Which shot? shot? Oh, on 15. Um, I'm assuming it's his pitch. His pitch, yeah. On 15. It can't yeah. be. If it was his, well, both. Both he had bad three shots. bad shots, didn't he? <laughs> but his tee shot, his, yeah, his tee shot wasn't great, but his, his, that can be that can be done. His yeah. layup was the his layup was the worst shot. Yeah. For sure, for sure. But I'm, I'm assuming that Mateus is on about the, the pitch into the water. Yeah. Okay, uh, Dylan Dawes Golf. Let's have a look where I have that one there. Dylan Dawes Golf, sorry about this. What was your favourite moment this year? Favourite moment this year, I would have to say, um, I'm going to go with uh, Tiger's 16th hole. No, damn it. Same as me. The shot was just brilliant because yeah. I, I, I was watching that knowing that he was going to hit it in the right area and it was going to go close. Just yeah. knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And he knew. And yeah, you've got to go with that moment. Okay, that Jay. Was the, that was the winning moment for me, that was. It was, it was, it was the winning moment. So, Jay, Jay Rossi 24 24. What was Tiger's turnaround shot or hole on Sunday? 12. T shot and 12. Mm. Yeah, I think it has to be, doesn't it? It was, it was like, that was like, right. Molinari, like I said earlier, Molinari, it's the weak, he showed his weakness and Tiger's like, right, I'm yeah. going to just show you guys, show you that I'm in it and I'm, I'm just going to pile the pressure on now and uh, yeah, you can just knock it in the middle of the green nice and safe, it was like, right, I'm here and then as you said, Pierce, Ooh. go into the green and wait in there, <laughs> come on boys. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I think that was it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a put on nine, amazing, but par on 11, again, amazing. Okay, Jay-Z Good, toughest hole. Toughest hole, I think, was, I think, five. Yep. It'd be interesting to see, see the scores on that, but, I mean, Tiger bogeyed every single day. Yeah. Even on the last day, he, he hit three wood and then iron and three putted. It was, just, it was just a long hole, wasn't it? It was. It was tight with the bunker on the left there, and, yeah, it was a tough hole. Okay, last one. Enable Golf has asked, talking about lengthening the 13th hole by 50 to 60 yards, back off the tee, does this need to happen? Does it need to happen? 50, 60 yards. Um, I don't think so. I, I think with where it is now, I mean, you know, it's still a tough shot. You've still got to get it the right shape and the right line off the tee. You can still get in trouble. You can still overcook it and hit it left. You can push it in the trees. And ultimately, I think there's enough, there's enough danger and enough opportunity on that golf course, on the back nine, that creates enough drama. So you've got eagle opportunities if you're aggressive enough, which is great, you can capitalise on that. But you've also got double bogey opportunities on 12. And I mean, even 15, it's, it's an eagle opportunity, but again, it's, the, it's a danger opportunity, as we saw. So I think there's a nice level of... I think the one thing about, them, about Augusta on the back nine is we know it's always exciting mm. because you look at Nicholson hitting that iron out the trees and getting it on there. If you've got 50, 60 yards back, he's not able to do that. He's having to lay up and then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, yes, it might be tougher, but you lose the excitement and the drama on that last day of the Masters. I, I totally agree. I mean, you, if they can lengthen it as long as shots, like you said, like Mickelson can still happen, as long as the people can still reach it into even when they hit a bad tee shot. Yeah. I think that's all part of the drama and what makes us love this tournament. If you somehow... 
let's say you were to do, if, you, if it was 60 yards further back and it suddenly meant now that there'd be very few people going for the green in two, what is the point? And yeah, do you know what, what I think with that as well, is that if only, it almost separates the field a bit more because if people like Bubba, um, Kepka and DJ and Rory are the only guys who can do it, well yeah. then all of a sudden then it, it separates those guys from the field and you yeah. don't want that, you want Fitzpatrick to be able to get there in two, you want Tiger to be able to get there in two, but even though Fitzpatrick's probably hitting a, a longer iron in, he's still got an opportunity to make eagle, and yeah. I think that's what's exciting about it. It's sort of almost a level playing field, and I yeah. like that. Yeah, I think time will tell. I think time will tell. I think in, in 20 years' time, it might be a different conversation. If everybody's hitting it 320 yards off the tee, then obviously they need to look at that. But at the moment, I would leave it alone. Just leave it alone for us. Don't change it, please. Thank you so much. That was uh, in Instagram stories. Thank you very much for the questions there. We only picked five out there. We had loads of questions. Um, we always want to answer as many as we can. But yeah, thank you so much for that. Now, okay, Mr. Pram, we are done with this one. But we want to, you know, the podcast is something that we're very passionate to do because... Guess what? We've had a topic there. We've been speaking now for nearly 50, just over 50 minutes and we do find that this is the only platform where we can do this. This is the only place yeah. that we can actually talk and, you know, spit out all of the information that's in our head, all of our opinions. And, and, and obviously this one is just more of a preview of the Masters, but hopefully you find with these podcasts that we're doing that there is some value for you in your golf and improving your golf. So what we want you to do is make sure you share this episode with your friends. Make sure you give it a five-star review if you did enjoy that. Because, Andy, we want to be able to get as many top-quality guests on this show and top-quality content as we, as we can, don't we? Yeah, we do. And if you can just screenshot this, if you've really enjoyed this, screenshot it and tag us in on Instagram. We'll get back to as many people as we can and do that. But yeah, I mean, these are, I think one thing that we always want to do with you guys is we want to provide value for you. We want to give you some useful information that, that's going to help you. So um, sometimes we do that too much, I think, in some, in some ways. But today's great because we just get to have a chat about something yep. that we're really passionate about. And it's more of a discussion about the Masters yep. and what happens. So let us know if you enjoy this style thing. Because if you do enjoy this, then we'll do some more discussions like this. Uh, and hopefully... Uh, like I say, it's something that you want more of. So uh, as, as always, just let us know your feedback. Please uh, give us a review over on iTunes. And as I said, screenshot it and tag us in on, uh, on Instagram and we'll get back to as many as we can. That was good, Piers. I enjoyed that. Really did enjoy that. Thank you, guys. 12 months. I want it to happen now. We're going next year, by the way. We're going next year. We're going next year, 100%. Okay, there. there's, a, there's like a one-year misrule. Any more than that is not allowed. Okay, deal. Done. Done. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Me and My Golf podcast. We hope you enjoyed that and got some value from that. And if you did, then please share that episode with a friend. And if you can do us a real big favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help this podcast grow and reach more golfers. And our mission is to help as many golfers around the world as we can play some better golf. So it really would mean a lot to us. One question that we get asked a lot is, Andy Pierce, how can we get coaching from you? Well, now you can have myself and Pierce as your very own personal online golf coach. And we've created a, a platform that infuses our coaching experience and philosophy into a fantastic community that's packed full of weekly videos that will really help transform your golf. We've got coaching plans on specific areas in the game. We have a shot fixer section, which really enables you to fix your faults fast so you can see results immediately on the golf course. And we really want to build a, a tribe of golfers that are committed to 
playing the best golf of their lives. And like I say now, this is the closest thing that you're going to experience to get me and Pierce on the lesson tee with you. And we'd love to have you part of this fantastic community. So head over to meandmygolf.com and look, have a go. We have a 14-day free trial that you can take advantage of, see what it's like. And if it fits right for you, then fantastic. And we'll hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Me and My Golf podcast.